Welcome into a brand new Tuesday scramble. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Andy Lack. It is April 19th, 2022, and we've got lots of good things to talk about. Andy, how are you, bud? Happy new week, Tuesday. I'm great, man. I uh, I really enjoyed uh, the Heritage last week. I feel like that tournament always delivers. I almost wish it had a little bit of a different scheduling spot than right after the Masters because... Uh, I just think it's a really good tournament and I think we get a lot of masters hangover coming off it, but, um, I'm having a great week so far, man. I, I have mixed feelings about this event, but I'm excited to, uh, to dig into it. Yeah. I, I, I like the change of pace. So I always kind of buy into these types of events before we jump into our outline for the day. Reminder, we are indeed presented by prize picks. The code you're looking for to sign up is Rick. There's a link in the description. Also the Four props that we have today, all of the lines still very much available in this moment. And the return is 12 and a half X Andy, which I believe that's the biggest return we've ever seen on one of these. Sometimes they're, they're, they're like 10. Sometimes we get to 11. I don't think I've seen 12 and a half before for our four selections. Me neither. Why do you think that is? Do you think they're just, they're probably going to take a little bit less action on a week like the Zurich. So they're just trying to incentivize more people. I know our listeners will be all in. We will play rain or shine, whatever the tournament is. Yes. I, I don't know the answer. My guess is a lot of weeks, like they, they're not showing you the juice behind the scenes, right? Like if, if something is really minus 140, that's what is you know, creating a 5X payout or an 8X payout or a 10X payout. And I think they like the lines that they've set. And I'll, I'll be honest, the lines they've set are pretty good for this mm -hmm. week. It's just stroke play for uh, the best ball format, which is what we're going to get in round one. I think the lines are pretty good. I think they think the lines are pretty good. And they're at least giving you the payout of 12 and a half X on that. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like they're taking many chances with anything other than score. Right. So I, I think it's a little yeah. bit easier for them to kind of set and hold. Yeah. I think the data feed situation would not allow them to do anything other than score because, you know, when you're playing best ball specifically, you know, if both of them hit the fairway or they play or one guy hits a fairway, but they play the ball out of the rough because it's further, I guess that doesn't count as a fairway hit. I don't know. It'd be super awkward with, with this format. Yeah, it would be tough. I mean, they, they could have some fun with certain things, but I, I mean, it's tough. Like you're, you're kind of out of it with fairways and stuff like that. Like that, that's wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense this week. So I, I saw some scores that I, I think are exploitable. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into it soon. All right. Well, before we do that, uh, let's talk about the heritage because I, I love the event did not particularly love the outcome. Not only was I, um, I had Patrick Cantlay in a lot of, you know, fantasy situations and one and done situations, but I just straight whiffed on Jordan freaking speed who I just cannot figure this guy out. Andy, I have no idea when he's going to play well, when he's going to play poorly. He can't putt anymore. He's coming off a miscut at a place. He's absolutely dominated. And then of course he goes out and wins at the heritage. Like I did not see that coming. Well, chances are, if you watch golf, you whiffed on Jordan Spieth because I don't know how you watch golf the past couple of months and select Jordan Spieth. That, that's not something I would have ever been able to do. I think, I, I just think that you kind of have to, there's always that one guy that 
in all sports, Rick, that you just have to throw uh, the eye test and conventional wisdom out the window. I mean, people are saying like, people are saying like, oh, the, you know, maybe you're making too big of a deal out of the, uh, out of the rehearsal, the, the, it doesn't look as bad and he's still able to produce the results. Like, I mean, it, it looks pretty bad to me. It's not, this isn't something that Jordan Spieth has done his whole career. I know you make, you can make the argument that it's never looked all that pretty with Spieth, but in the past couple of months, it's looked especially squeamish. So um, I missed on Spieth too. I had a great week. Other than that, Cantlay winning would have, uh, would have really solidified a good week for me, but yeah, I'm kind of with you, Rick. It's it's he's he's probably the toughest golfer in my opinion to to figure out on a week to week basis. So he loses two and a half strokes putting, which is the most strokes lost on the greens by a winner dating back to like 2009 or something outrageous like that. Are you encouraged by that, Andy? Basically saying, okay, even when he doesn't have the skill set that is ideally like his best, like the flat stick, which has just been magical for his entire career, that he can win without it? Or are you discouraged that this is so far away from kind of the type of player that we've seen for a long time from Jordan Speed? I'm probably encouraged just blindly looking at the stats. If you, if you think about what's the easiest thing to flip on a week-to-week basis, it's putting. Putting is obviously the most variable statistic. So I'd much rather him have that be the issue than the ball striking be the issue. But I mean, it's like, it's a, it's back and forth with Spieth on the ball striking too. Like he hit the ball terribly at the masters prior to the masters. He hit the ball great at the Valero. And then this week he hit the ball great at uh heritage. So we don't really, we, I don't know if we can definitively say the ball striking's back back all the way back. All we can say is the putter clearly isn't there right now. I think the best argument for Spieth Rick going forward is that I think he sets up really well at some of the courses that we're going to have. Yeah. Um, we talked, we I, talked about him having really four like really good major championship venues for the Spieth that we thought we had in January, right? Like like that version we thought we had four good major venues. Exactly. Yeah, so that that would be the biggest case that I would say for Spieth is that I like him at the U.S. Open this year. I like him at St. Andrews a lot. And there's going to be a couple more courses on the PGA Tour schedule over the summer. Uh, We haven't even gotten to Colonial yet. He's probably going to be one of the favorites at Colonial and have a very good chance to win that tournament as well. Um, So, you know, I, I would probably say encourage. But again, with Spieth, it's just you have to remove conventional wisdom in your eyes a little bit. And and I don't always do the best job of doing that. I think when he posted, uh, was it 13 under par? I thought he didn't really have a great chance to win Andy. I mean, the, the holes coming in, they're not easy. Not all of them are easy, but I thought, you know, EVR was already at 14 at one point. Cantlay was lurking. Lowry was in the mix. It just felt like a very, good run of outcomes for speed to get into the playoff. And then he gets to, uh, you know, cozy one up to a couple of inches out of the front bunker to, to put can't lay away. There were a lot of favorable circumstances that, that came about for speed to win. And that's not taking anything away from speed. You could also make the argument that if speed had just putted, okay, he would have won this tournament. Stu sink style last year. He would have won by 
five, six strokes. If he makes an 18 inch putt, uh, we're probably not, there's no playoff at all, right? He just wins it out. (laughs) Yeah. There's no playoff at all. And the entire, uh, character and nature of that tournament looks a lot different coming down the stretch. If you have speed sitting there at 14 instead of 13, what do you think about Lowry? Cause I, I think he's such an interesting case this week where, 50% 50% of my brain says he's just playing way too well not to win. Mm-hmm. And the other 50% of my brain says maybe he misses window and we're kind of due for a letdown at some point. I think I lean a tiny bit on the latter side, mm-hmm. like 55, 45 that, that he might've missed his window. He yeah. should have won Honda. He probably yeah. should have won the heritage uh he has now got zero wins and i know it is i know it's very hard to do he is taking a really great run of ball striking success and he's getting good results out of it but you know there's still a trophy spot waiting on the mantle i do like the way um him and polter you know a lot of international team experience like this week i think is kind of interesting for them but i do wonder what the next six months looks like for lowry he and he he ran into a freight train at the Masters too. I mean, he was at yeah. the top of the field in nearly every metric outside of iron play, and then of course he comes back the next week at the Heritage and leads the field in approach essentially. So I agree that that's a very difficult one for me too. We st- we see these guys on these really really hot runs, whether it be Scheffler or Cam Smith and Lowry, and I always struggle whether to just continue to back them. It seems like the square play to just like, oh, this guy's playing the best. But a lot of the time, like if if bucking that trend and saying, no, he's due for a letdown. He can't win this. There's no way he can keep this good play up. Like could have made a lot more money on Scotty Scheffler if I had just abandoned that line of thinking just a little bit. Is is Shane Lowry the the Scotty Scheffler without the wins? Remember we were saying, you know, if Scheffler's three wins were third place finishes, we would have been all over him at the Masters, right? Does it feel a little bit different that Lowry kind of shoulda, coulda, woulda won these events and he kind of faded a bit or as opposed to pulling off a Rory McIlroy Sunday charge for, you know, one of your top finishes? It just feels different, right? We should probably not even... I don't even know if we should care about that. We should just uh, like look at the strokes gained after the week, not watch golf at all and move on. Yeah. It feels like Lowry has had, it feels like he's been a lot, which he has, he has been way like Lowry. You could probably make the argument Lowry for the course of 72 holes had a way better chance to win the masters than Rory did. Uh, Rory had this uh, crazy round on Sunday and his, true win percentage never really raised above 5%. Whereas you look at Lowry and all the way throughout the tournament until Scotty got really hot, he was there. He he was kind of in the mix per se. So I don't know. I, I think with, I think with these, these guys, I do think that context matters. I do think that there's a different vibe uh, that not just the way that we look at it, but the way that players look at it too. And the way that players feel when you're coming off a, a tournament where you're there, you're the guy for most of the tournament versus you have this crazy hot round on Sunday where you're not really a factor at all in the tournament, but you look at the final leaderboard and you look at the strokes gained and it is 
your second place. I do think it's fair to look at those two occurrences differently. Well, I was obviously rooting for Patrick Cantlay in the playoff uh, for a couple of reasons, but most importantly, our one and done Andy. So I am chip. This is the biggest chunk I've gotten from you in a while. I get $872,000 from Patrick Cantlay. You had Colin Morikawa, $54,844, moving your season long total to $3.6 million. I'm still at two point one, but like I said, th- th- this is the biggest win I've had maybe all year long. So I've got to be feeling pretty happy about it. You know, you're right back in it, I would say. I, uh-huh. I, I think you, yeah, I, I really do, because I think you win, you win a major or, or anything. It, it, this, was a, this was a good one for you, and I can't say that I'm very happy with the T26 out of Morikawa. I've used a lot of guys, Rick. I've used Rom, I've used JT, I've used Morikawa. Um, I still have the guys that I want. I think for, for some of the majors coming up, but yeah, I, I would say you have to view this tournament overall as a success, even though I think both of us were very disappointed that Cantlay wasn't able to close the door. And we've opted for max Payne uh, this week where we are burning both golfers and we are, we can only take one of the prizes, right? So, so, so first yeah. place is 1.2 million. We can't double that because then it's like a major. So we're going for max pain, burn both your golfers and the win share is 1.2 million bucks. I think that's more fun, right? It's- I mean, you asked, you asked me earlier this morning, but I think there's way more of an element of strategy to that. Wouldn't you say? For sure. I think this is, uh, I think the standard has become you know, you, you only have to burn one. So you can just plug in Ryan Palmer and get access to the number one golfer in the world, or you can just plug in Mark Leishman and get access to the defending champions. I also, because this is later in the season, this event, or at least after the midway point, find it much more interesting from a strategic sense that you have to use both. I think that should be the standard. I agree. I think that's what, I think that's how it should be as well. And it's still, I mean, doesn't, each golfer make over a million bucks if they win this week. Like it's not like a tiny, it's not one of the bigger events by any means, but it's not like a small purse. By yeah, any they, means. they each get 1.2. So like that's yeah. what was heritage 1.4. So you're talking about it being yeah. $200,000 less than, than that. So if you win this week, you're there. I mean, you're right there. Even if you don't win this week, you're still right there. If you get yeah, like I, the top five. Yeah. Yeah. I win this week and you, you know, don't get anything sizable. I would, I would be at 3.3. So yeah, it would be, we'd be right there. All right. I'm putting my foot on the gas a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I I, I know who I'm taking. It's a little aggressive, but I, I I'm, I, I gotta, I need a strong performance here. All right. Uh, let's jump into Zurich classic. We've got uh, one and done. We've got props to give out. I want to talk about the, the format. There's just a lot going on this week. So we're going to hit all that stuff after this quick break. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. 
Okay, Andy, let's talk Zurich Classic. Obviously, the team event, 80 teams of two 160 golfers. I'll admit the bottom of the board gets kind of ugly when you start going down to 160 golfers and uh, not all the top players in the world are, are playing and they are going to alternate between best ball and alternate shot uh, round by round ending on alternate shot. Um, how do you like this format compared to what we, what else we see on, on tour? I wish it was four days of alternate shot. I love alternate shot. I, uh, I love playing alternate shot. I think alternate shots so much fun. I don't love better ball. It's just like a, it's so many birdies to me. Uh, it takes longer. I'm not the biggest fan of it's harder to track in my opinion. If you're like tracking in the app and stuff like that, I love alternate shot. So if I was running the tournament, I would do four days of just chaos, alternate shot. I think alternate shots really good TV. Um, I, I love watching it at the Ryder cup. So I would lean more heavily on alternate shot. I will give them credit for this, Rick. It used to be alternate shot were rounds one and three, and then they switched it to two and four. So I think they are even starting to realize that alternate shot is more exciting. They only made that mistake one year. I think the first year it was the team event. It was the opposite. And they were like, oh crap. No, we got to end on alternate shot. You can't have somebody shoot a 59 on Sunday come from nine back or whatever. Uh, I agree. The best ball is fine, but I'm still like, they didn't go far enough. I think you go one round of alternate shot, one round of, or two rounds of, a scramble. Just let it, let them shoot 52. Like, let's see something. Let's see something really diabolical out there. Scramble, scramble would be fun. I'm trying to think of what other formats, what other formats could they do? Yeah, that's the, it's kind of, if, if you want to keep it to like this size of a field, if you want to keep it to four days, obviously if you want to start tweaking that, you can get really creative. I know there's been a lot more, conversation around adding a an, an LPGA element to this and having it be kind of a co-ed or a mixed uh pairing which I think is really cool and interesting but I, I if if you want to keep it to the constraints of Thursday through Sunday and 160 golfers I, I think you start to get a little bit limited yeah I would agree do you think this is the right number of events like this on the schedule do you think that there should be one? zero two three four like do you think do you think this Um, do you think this kind of scratches your itch enough so i think that um okay this is a larger scheduling discussion that i think i think actually the tour should build in bye weeks Uh, yes i think yes i think it would actually improve the strength of a lot of fields especially for the ones that are in kind of uh really crappy spots on the schedule I also think it would allow for integration of the matches or whatever these kind of one-off things are into the schedule, right? So you could have a bye week for the PGA Tour, but that's the slot that you put the match in. And I also, so that when people are trained to tune in on like a Thursday or Friday or Saturday, like whenever that is, um, they're not missing out on other things. I also think the match, now I'm going down a match rabbit hole here, should be king of the hill style, Andy. So so uh, Brooks beats Bryson, right? So now now Brooks is the king. Now someone challenges Brooks, and Brooks keeps playing until he loses. And then that golfer becomes the king of the hill. You offer him a million bucks to play and another million bucks if you win. 
you'd have guys lining up to do that. You do it four times a year. That's not bad. The only thing I would say is they like to fiddle around with different formats for the match. So what happens if you get a call from Brady saying, I want to play, but the king of the hill is Bryson. And then you have to, you can't have Brady versus Bryson. You have to make some sort of teams. It has to be pros. You can, you can do the quarterback stuff some other, some other time, some other, other place or whatever. But, um, my, my king of the hill format has to be pro on pro has to be big boys. It's gotta be the big boys. Do you, are you more, I guess now, now that we're here, we might as well. Are are you more, do you get more excited when it is pros in a match style format or, or quarterbacks or celebrities, I guess. Um, I don't think I care as, I think I care more about personalities, right? Like Bryson and Brooks. Well, they're not good personalities, right? They're objectively, obviously way better golfers, but they didn't say or really do anything of, of interest. Um, if you get the right combination of athletes, which is why I thought Peyton Manning was awesome in those, because mm-hmm. he is the de facto host on the course. Now, when you get Brady and Rogers and Mahomes and Josh Allen, I'm not sure who plays de facto host there. And I think it's yet to be seen, but I don't, I don't really care as long as, um, as long as you have a good personality out there. Um, are you going to, what would you say your excitement level is? I know we kind of both have to watch cause it's, it's kind of our job, but, but w- what was your excitement level out of 10 for this coming one with Brady and Mahomes and 6. Allen? 6.5. Okay. Uh, which admittedly I, I just, I'm going to watch whatever you put on television. I love that they're doing yeah. it back at the win again. Like I love that. Um, so, so that's got me excited, but uh, I, I like, I think Brady Brady's really good at these. I don't know. You never yeah. know what you're going to get out of Brady. Like he, he has hit some of the worst shots we've ever seen. And then he's hit some amazing shots that will be replayed every time they do these. Uh, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what else they tweak with the format, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly warm on it. Okay. I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a other side of the take. I was not a fan of the win as a golf course last year. Um, take these guys to Seminole. Take them to like Cyprus. Take them. I, I didn't love that golf course. I thought that both of those guys completely got away with hitting terrible shots off the tee and put these guys on like firm and fast. And like, I remember watching that Walker Cup and the match at Seminole. That was a blast. So, so much fun. So, I, I don't love when they go to these kind of paint by numbers courses where, you know, there's it's it's yeah. a little bit easier for them to get away with stuff. I think they should go to, in my opinion, I wish that they went to a more interesting golf course. And then the other side of it that I, I think is maybe um, lowering my expectations levels a little bit is what are the odds for, in my opinion, the best part of the last match was Phil. It really was. I thought Phil was unbelievable in the booth. And I think he is always, he always delivers in the booth. What are the odds that we see Phil in the booth? Uh, I don't know, but I do think it's going to be quite telling. Like if, if Phil has been uh, blackballed for lack of a better term from the industry, we're going to find out June 1st or in the lead up to this, if he's not on that broadcast, because he's been such a staple as a player and a commentator in all of them Uh, back to the win. You're right. I, I actually think it's better for the quarterbacks because they're, they're all going to hit bad drives. I don't want to watch guys looking for golf balls, right? Yeah. It's actually better for the quarterbacks. And the problem is 
Brooks beat Bryson too fast, we didn't even get to see like the three best holes on the golf course because Brooks <laughs> beat the crap out of Bryson. We didn't get there, which is tough. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, I agree with uh, the degree of difficulty for the golf courses based on who's who's playing it. Um, yeah, that that's that <laughs> that's interesting to me. I you know I think that there are a couple things that I could change, but I think I think what it really comes down to, I think the best. The, the way to produce the best content, the way to get the best television out of it is you have to have these guys mic'd up and saying interesting things. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it comes down to, especially if you're not going to have Phil in the booth. You have to have these guys be willing to say stuff to each other. And uh, I thought kind of the best part of all of these matches is when you have like the Brooks, Phil dynamic where they are kind of talking about reading putts and strategy and stuff like that. Like I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Interested to see what they do. I think this is the sixth one we've got. So we'll, we'll see how it pans out back to Zurich. We were kind of talking about this before we went hot. There's an argument to be made. Obviously we're going to get into the stats stuff, but there's an argument to be made. There's a lot of feel in this, right? We, we are seeing guys who some don't even know each other. Some grew up together. Some played a lot together. Some have never played in a team format. Some have a lot. There's just like a billion more variables this week that you could almost argue, play the guys you like, bet the guys you like. Um, you know, we can throw the stats at you, but it's it's going to be pretty random. I would agree with that. Of course, knowing both of us, Rick, I did dive into the stats this week because I can't help myself, but I do not fault anyone for not doing that. I think this is probably the best week not to do that. And just in this type of format, you really want to bet and play the guys that you want to root for. Um, So I don't have any problem with just going based on feel. This is a week where a lot of unquantifiable variables are going to come into play. How do we quantify team chemistry? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, how do we quantify motivation? How many of these teams are saying to themselves on Tuesday night, like, I really want to go out and win this thing versus let's have some fun together and be laughing and, 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 you know, enjoy ourselves out there. So that's what makes it difficult. And, and, and I would probably uh, say that for me, I'm looking at some stats because that's what I always do. And I don't really know how else to go, go about it. But if, if this is, this is not the week where I feel like you have to do that. Yeah. Who, who's, uh, who's going to struggle playing a, a golf ball that they've never played before, you know, playing a Titleist versus a Taylor made and all that stuff that we've got to, we're going to hear about all week long. So there's a lot that we just cannot uh, quantify, but Andy, what we can quantify are the props and we've got four props selected. I actually threw a bonus one in. So we've kind of got like four and a half or five. Uh, okay. The four that we have are 12 and a half times return on a power play. So you get all four right on a power play, 12 and a half times return. I just checked again. The odds or the lines that we have are still there. So make sure you use the code Rick to deposit. There's a link in the description. Get yourself ready to roll because we've seen these move instantaneously. We are going to hit the props after a quick word. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. 
RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Okay, Andy, before Armina releases the props graphic here, uh, we, we teased this before. The only option as of right now is strokes, which I think is pretty smart. So we've got best ball in round one, the strokes. That's what we're looking at. I will tell you of all the eligible golfers, I went back and looked of all of them who have played in this format, in the best ball format, since it went to the team version of it, the average best ball score is 65 and a half. These lines are pretty good, right? We can both agree. And that's why the payout is so good that we both agree that these lines are pretty sharp. Yeah. I would say that they're all the lines, right? They're in between 64.5 and 66. Right. Right. And I guess if you want to say, maybe you want to lean a little bit towards the unders because the guys that they're giving us are the better teams. But I, I don't, I don't see a significant, this isn't one of those weeks, Rick, where we're coming on here and saying, Oh, these lines are, these lines are crazy off. I think I went with one over and one under. Yeah. Uh, okay. Armina, release the props. There they are. They're the props. So Andy, uh, you go first here. Your first prop. Again, these are all strokes. Fleetwood and Garcia over 64 and a half. Why these guys? You know how much I love Tommy Fleetwood wreck. Uh, I I've been on him this all season basically, but, uh, the ball striking with Fleetwood, it, it really did regress last week. He was minus 0.8 ball striking plus 8.2 putting. The good thing that I will say about Fleetwood is you can't say that he's playing bad right now. He's getting the ball in the hole. I just thought that the ball striking with him was was really starting to fully come back because he had his best off the tee week at the Masters in like two years. And it's like, all right, okay, here we go. Tommy, Tommy might be returning to that guy in 2019 who was contending at majors. And then he comes back the exact next week and loses 2.3 off the tee and has his worst off the tee week in, you know, a couple, a couple months. So it's like, you know, are we fully back with Fleetwood? I'm not sure. I'd feel a little bit more encouraged about him if he was, if the ball striking was trending. Now it, it kind of looks like it's, it's kind of hit and miss and going in the wrong direction. Sergio's fine too, but you know, this for me, Rick was kind of just like a number play. Like I, I had this team as, like the 11th best team in the field. And yet they had the lowest stroke total. So I, I felt like I was going to go, I felt like you had to kind of have to go over on this one. Yeah. I like these guys a lot, but I agree that there were a couple of concerns. What basically what you outlined and it's kind of a little bit of a hope that Sergio kind of gets back to the good ball striking version of himself. And they put the vibes together because they've got a ton of experience. I think they finished runner up here in 19. So it's just, I, I'm not, there are red flags, but I'm hoping we can get past it this week. So over 64 and a half, Tommy Fleetwood, Sergio Garcia. I'm going first with 
Cam Smith, Mark Leishman under 64 and a half. I think I would take it down to at least 63 and a half. So this is really strange. Cam Smith is basically the, it's not strange. He's won it twice with two different partners. Uh, like the best in this format ever. Like we've got, you know, four years of this information. He's played six best ball rounds. He's gone under 64 and a half in four out of six. He's never shot worse than 66. You could argue this is kind of the best version of Camp Smith we've ever seen. And those were some of the teams that he was part of. And then Leishman, of course, has only played this event once. So he's only played best ball twice. Shot a 63 with Camp Smith both times. I don't know. I think that this is a really formidable team with a lot of confidence that can putt well. And you know, Andy, when you kind of get into some of these awkward, you know, birdie fest, the putters, the putters are of value. It almost feels like they are the forgotten elite this week too, right? It, it feels like there's not a lot of, a ton of chatter about Cam Smith and Leishman. Whereas, you know, you could probably make the argument that they're the most formidable team, uh, in the tournament. Right. And, and it feels like they're kind of getting slept on a little bit. So I, I like that one a lot. Uh, you've got a couple of buddies here for your next prop under 65 and a half on Taylor Gooch, Max Homa. So my, when I did my model and my numbers had this team of Gooch and Homa as actually, they rated out as the second best team in the field for me, right behind Cantlay and Xander. And both the reason for that is, both these players make a ton of birdies and they're both great par five scores. Uh, and we also know they've got great chemistry. They're, they're great friends. Homa was the guy before Gooch kind of leveled up and started going on this run over the past 12 months. That was like, guys pay attention to Taylor Gooch. This guy's really, really good. Um, so we know that Homa believes in his partner and he trusts his partner, uh, which of course is unquantifiable, but I think you have, the nice mix of, okay, they check the boxes with the stats that I'm looking for this week. And they also check the boxes with the vibes that I'm looking for this week. So I have very high hopes uh, for this Gooch Homa team. And I think they get off to a really hot start. Yeah. Under 65 and a half. The fact that we haven't seen a comment in the chat that says all these lines moved. I think we're doing good here, Andy, which is a nice, a nice sign to see. Um, I'm going to go over 65 with Poulter and Lowry. And mm. I, again, I like this team a lot. Maybe their strength comes from alternate shot, but just kind of looking at what they've done historically. So Poulter's played six best ball rounds. He's never gone under 65. Um, he actually has the highest average of any eligible player on prize picks with at least four rounds played. Lowry's done a little bit better. He's played three rounds of best ball, 63, 65, 68. There is part of me that says, okay, they don't have a great history of being part of teams that go super low in best ball formats. And also, Lowry's played a lot. I think he has to kind of shoulder a lot of the load for the Pol for the Poulter side of things. If Poulter doesn't putt well, I'm not sure how super valuable he is. Like I could see this team going sideways kind of quickly. Very fair. I think Poulter is probably... Uh, we can say past his prime, I guess. I, I played him last week and he he looked like he was heading in the right direction for a little bit and then really, really faded over the weekend. Um, so yeah, again, for me, in my opinion, I think this is the most difficult team to figure out. 
not because of Poulter. I think I know what I'm getting with Poulter more so because of Lowry, where it's like, oh, if if Lowry, if this team wins, I don't think I'm surprised, right? Based on how well Lowry's playing. For if sure. this team finishes, if this team misses the cut, I I'm kind of like, yeah, that kind of checks out too, right? Like Lowry's been playing a lot of golf. Yeah, there was there's kind of a path to to both of these that is uh, I think wider than normal. And then I just threw in a bonus one here. First of all, Charlie Hoffman, Nick Watney are base are, are like almost objectively the worst players in this field over the last 24 rounds via the stats. So if you want to just throw another one in there, over 65 and a half. Let's see, Hoffman has lost strokes to the field in seven straight rounds, 16 of his last 24. Watney's lost in eight of nine. He's lost in 15 of 24. They're just not playing very well. Uh, and that's a pretty strong total for two guys who aren't playing well at all. So let me recap. Fleetwood Garcia over 64 and a half. Gooch Homa under 65 and a half. Poulter Lowry over 65. Smith Leishman under 64 and a half. Bonus if you want to get freaky. Hoffman and Watney over 65 and a half. The code you're looking for is Rick. There's a link in the description. 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Andy, a couple of questions that I want to get to. Matt asks... Which player would you want as your best ball partner? Who complements your game the best? Probably Cam Smith because I'm not a good putter. I I, I think that uh, he's the type of guy that I would want on my team because I know I just feel good once we get to the greens. And I think in these formats, you really, really, really want a good putter. So I would probably say for my game, Cam Smith. What about you? Who's like the best 100 yards and in player? Like I can putt fine. Um, I can hit my like like full shots fine. Once I start getting into the shorter, more awkward three quarter, like I'm I'm dead. So who's like the I think best? It's Cam Smith. Oh great, yeah. Remember we did the Frankenstein golf where we we're like, let's see, uh, yeah. Cam Smith is the best player on the planet. Um, that might JT be, yeah. is JT's really good with those kind of dead arm wedge shots. JT is really good at like 75 yards, and I'll just putt yeah. for him. That might be pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think it's was, probably Cam Smith or JT. The other one here from Rob says, if you could pick a team for this event, what's your ideal team? He notes that producer Minas would be Adam Scott, Scotty Scheffler. That's true. She does have a Scott thing. Um, Rory and someone would be cool. What about yeah. Rory and I don't, did you, uh, the 14 club challenge with Rory and Victor was kind of cool. They look like they had a good rapport, but Rory and um, Morikawa would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Bryson, uh, and anyone I think is a good one. Bryson and Scotty were, that's a team that is, can win like Ryder cups for years to come. I remember following them at whistling straights. Like you put Bryson and Scotty together on a team, like, that's pretty tough to beat if Bryson's keeping the ball in play in terms of just like fun comedic uh, like what would be the most enjoyable to watch. I think if you, if you choose guys that are as different as possible, maybe would be fun. Like trying to think what would be the best example of this. Like it'd be kind of fun to see it'd be kind of fun to see like Morikawa and Spieth a little bit because maybe Spieth would put Morikawa in places that he's never been before. And it would be fun trying to watch Morikawa, maybe having to hit punch shots out of 
the trees for the first time in his entire career. I don't know. There are a lot of different directions you could go with this. You could burn it all down and put Jordan Spieth and Billy Horschel together and watch those two try to like, uh, their heads would explode trying to get around a golf course in, in the same group. Or or Billy and Hatton together. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that'd be good, too. That'd be good. Uh, okay, let's move on, Andy. Here's what we've got left to do. Head-to-head matchups. We've got our one-and-done selections. Matchups are kind of interesting this week, obviously, with the, with the team aspect of it. Uh, we will hit those in about 30 seconds. If you're not playing Daily Fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing Daily Fantasy. They offer nothing but props, and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over-under and can win up to ten times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Andy, matchups, my friend. Last week, oh man, I made up some ground on you in a couple spots. I was four and you one, did. you were one and four. You're still smoking me for the season, but I am ever so close. Just one win short of 500, 24, 25, and four for the season. You still stand 30, 19, and four, even after a bad week. So uh, I still have some, I still have some ground to make up, but here comes the momentum. Second half, Rick, coming for you. You know, and I saw this. On the outline, I saw that you were starting to catch up to me. And I thought a lot of these matchups were toss-ups. Great job, producer Mina, as always, giving us the tough ones. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to choose violence and like take the other side of every single one that you did. We're either going to be like uh, tied next week or yeah. or you're going to have like a nine-game lead. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's jump into these. They're they're, they're fascinating. Benny on Sung J.M. versus... Brendan Steele, Keegan Bradley. I went with Sungjae and Benny. I think Benny's played a lot better on the Corn Ferry Tour. Most people might not realize that. And I just see the Steele-Bradley team, that's that's the team flying so close to the sun. Who Who is going to putt for this team? If they don't make a putt, they are dead. But they, could ball, they might just stick everything to two feet and not have to worry about it. That is the team no putt of all team no putts. Yes. Okay. So you make a good point about Benny on with the corn fairy stuff. Um, I think Steele and Bradley are a much better bet to finish ninth in this <laughs> tournament than Sung Jay and, and right. Sung Jay is a, the best player in this quote unquote for some uh, that we're having to choose from. Sung Jay is also really volatile in his own right. And you want to talk about going in the wrong direction with the putter. That's mm-hmm. kind of Benny on's MO. So if we get a bad Sung Jay week, this team could finish dead last. And I feel like the floor is a lot higher with, with Steele or Bradley. So I think in a matchup, that's where I'm, I'm going to Yeah. Go. If these guys were actually in a group, like a four ball out there, um, you might not see a putt made all day, right? If Sungjae yeah. doesn't make a putt, you might see zero putts made all day out of these guys. Yeah. That that's the, that's the thing that you have to worry about. And Sungjae, Sungjae hit the ball great at the heritage last week and, and didn't putt at all. And we yeah. see this happen with Sungjae all the time where, he 
it's stranger than he does. He does certain things on different weeks and they, they don't always line up. So I'm going with Steele and Bradley Hatton and Danny Willett, couple of Englishmen versus Will Zalatoris, Davis, Riley. I got to admit, I went with Zalatoris and Riley last night when I filled this out. I, I think I like your side better. Now you're on the Hatton Willett side. They, they, they know how to get around this together, right? This, this is the nice floor, the nice floor selection in a matchup. Yeah. I think I just, I feel like they're going to make putts. I, I just like, I trust that team a little bit more. Uh, Zalatoris Riley are the really, really buzzy team this week. It seems like I, I Riley just shot 80 at, at Harbortown. He's had like one good PGA tour tournament in his entire career. And he's like an objectively bad iron player. Um, I don't know who's going to putt on that team either. I, I don't, that I, they're kind of a fade for me, to be honest with you. Um, I, I like Hatton Willett. I, I feel strongly about more strongly about this one than any other matchup. I have definitely cooled on this team uh, in the last 12 hours or so. I, I do think, uh, Zalatoris gives you access to the best player in, in out of this out of this foursome. I think True. that we've seen we might be seeing the breadcrumbs of him being able to putt a little bit better. And I always do wonder again. This yeah. is, goes back to the things that are like we are never going to be able to quantify this. A guy who comes up from the corn fairy like Davis Riley, who has not had 2022 go exactly the way he wants. He had that one really good finish. Um, did he lose in a playoff or did he just finish second outright? Uh, Riley. Yeah. He lost in a playoff to Burns. at Burns, the Burns. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, like maybe giving him a little bit of a mix up playing with somebody. That's a very kind of comfy pairing. Like maybe that's kind of the spark you need. You don't even have to hit all the shots in some of the scenarios. Your partner has your back. I don't know. I, I do wonder some of these guys who are going to take an opportunity to not be so exact all the time and just try to make as many birdies as possible. Uh, they have rapport too, right? Wasn't there that picture surfacing of that? They're like junior golf buddies. Correct. Yeah. They grew up. Uh, I don't know where they grew up, but like together, basically Texas, I think. Yeah. Right? I know Ry- yeah. Riley's it. Riley went to Alabama. I know that. Yeah, um, roll tie. All right, let's do it. Uh, so Zal Torres and Riley for me, Hatton and Willett for Andy Watson, Bubba, Varner, Harold versus Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira. Uh, there was a comment about, there was a comment in the chat. I don't have it handy. Basically where the Chileans could finish first or last and no one would be surprised. I kind of agree. This is also another narrative team, Andy, where it's like, oh, they, they got paired together the final round at Heritage. They're going to play five straight days together. Oh my God. Isn't that amazing? I don't buy that, but I do just love the way. I think Neiman's a really good partner being able to hit a lot of different shots. I think Mito is just in general, very solid. I, I went with that team. I thought this was the hardest one. I think this is a total toss up. I pretty much just went with Watson and Varner because I saw that you were on Neiman and, and Mito. Um, Neiman and Mito are friends that that is very abundantly clear. I remember at Riviera, like Mito was sticking around to to hang out with with Neiman on that win. Obviously, they're they're both uh, Chilean. Um, I I went with Watson and Varner. Just Varner's playing great golf. And what if Varner is somebody that you're catching on the upswing and he's he's kind of leveling up a little bit before our eyes? A la, you know, I, I don't think Varner's ever going to be an elite player. But what if he's you know on the Taylor Gooch track? right where he's turning from like a top 100 guy to a top 
50 or 40 guy. Um, and I think that he is a very comfortable guy to play golf with. I think that he is, obviously he's very likable. He's playing great golf. And I think him and Bubba together should be very comfortable. Um, so I, I'm going to, it's a toss up for me. I'll go Watson Varner though. I definitely agree that personality wise, they are both super low. Like it's going to be a super easy pairing, super comfortable. Is Bubba easy to play with, especially an alternate shot? I feel like he just plays golf different than a lot of other players on the PGA tour, which I'm not sure always lends itself well to a team aspect. And I understand that this is the best partner that Varner's ever had, but Varner's never made the cut as part of a team here. He's like, Oh, for three. Does that worry you at all? Really good point. I would say it doesn't though, because he did finish eighth here in 2016 as by himself, uh, by himself. and Watson's play Bubba's played great here. Bubba won the in this as an individual event, right? Yeah, 2011, I think, was the year, yes. Okay, and have Neiman and Mito ever played this course at all? I don't know. Ooh, I don't think they have. Probably not, but I can find out. They, I know they didn't as individuals. Um, so I would, it would only have been if either, of, and this is their first year teaming up as a team. So it only would have been if they played in, on a team with other guys. And I don't think that was the case because Mito was on the corn Ferry tour last year. Yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, how much do you want to look at? Like I looked at course fit, you know, some this week, I, you know, I, I broke down this course to the best of my abilities. Um, and I, I like kind of the fit for Watson and Varner, but this was the hardest. This was the hardest one for me, for sure. I think you go uh, either, either side of it. I think both teams play well. Mito has never played. Uh, Neiman. Looks like he missed the cut with somebody in 2019. 2019 Zurich Classic leaderboard. Uh, I will do a control F for Joaquin Neiman, and I will find out. Uh, well, stand by. I'm, I'm in this now. I have to do it. You might as well. Okay. Neiman. <laughs> missed the cut with, oh, Dylan Fratelli. Missed the cut together yeah. in 2019. They finished lower than, or they finished with the same score as Ernie Els and Trevor Immelman. Yikes. Oh boy. Wow. Billy Horschel, Sam Burns versus Tommy Fleetwood, Sergio Garcia. We talked about Fleetwood and Garcia earlier. You and I both went with Horschel and Burns. I just think they care the most. I think yeah. they care the most. This is the one where I couldn't, I couldn't abandon you on this one. <laughs> I, I, I think this team is, to me, they feel like the safest bet to win in my opinion, both they're both sec guys, Bermuda guys. I, I just, they scare me the most in my opinion. And I already talked about how I'm a little bit lower on Fleetwood and Garcia. So I'm with you. I, I, I think Horschel and Burns smash this week. I, I mean, Horschel has won this as an individual and as a member of a team, he cares more than anything. Burns has, has Burns won, Burns won three times since they played this last year. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, he's just, and and one of them was two starts ago. Yeah. I I agree with you. I I just see a path for them being in the mix like more than anybody. Me too. All the all on Bermuda too, all on kind of longer golf course. I I, I think this is yeah, we'll get to them a little bit later in oh, the boy. show. I've got one more thing with this team coming. One, one more thing for them. Uh, final one here, the big boys. Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa versus uh, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay. You could um, uh, flip a coin here. I think that Cantlay and Shoffley's floor 
is much higher. I think Hovland and Morikawa's ceiling is much higher. You have gone with team Cantlay, team Xander, which is, uh, they've got so much experience together, Andy. It, it's, it, again, they're, they're like the worst performance we see from them is probably like T9. I'm going with Xander Cantlay, who I feel like are very boring here. And I haven't heard a ton of chatter about this week. Um, they're actually my pick to win this week. I, I just, I think they're getting a little bit tossed to the side right now because, you know, they're not maybe as fun to root for as a Morikawa and Hovland and Morikawa Hovland are like the exciting new team. The, the young guys, they shot like a best ball 59 or something like that in the Ryder cup together. So we know how hot they can get. Um, I, I think you outlined it well, Rick. I think Xander Cantlay have a little bit of a higher floor. And I, I just like, I like that they're coming in a little bit more under the radar. And um, these guys are best friends. Like they vacation together. They're Ryder cup partners. They know what to do in these situations they know what the they know the other person's game really well they play practice rounds together every week um i think they win this week so i'm going with shoffley can't win. yeah i took the victor collins side of this the i think they will get better like, like there's definitely a path to these guys struggling i do th- and, and struggling in terms of of them being the favorites right struggling means they finish t13 i think they yeah. get better as the week goes on, because I do think that there is, um, there is an experience level. There is a comfort level. I know these guys are buddies. I know that, that they've been planning this for a while and they're excited about it, but there is, it's different when you flip the switch, you hit your tee shot, you put your guy in a bad spot. And now it's like, okay, we're really in this. And Cantlay and Shoffley have been through that battle countless times of you put me in a bad spot. I put you in a bad spot. We're going to figure this out. I think, I think that, I would not be surprised to see Victor and Morikawa struggle a little bit out of the gate, find their stride, climb up the leaderboard. I don't know if they win it, but I think they'll I think they'll get better as the week goes on. Do you like it better when the teammates have similar skill sets or like complete opposite skill sets? Because I think the thing that I worry about with Hovland and Morikawa is that neither of them can chip very well right now. I think I go back and forth on this, but I think I would prefer similar over yeah. like completely opposite completely yeah. opposite works really well if you can stay on script if you're off script you're totally cooked if you both are similar it helps because um you play a similar style of game right you're you talked about putting somebody in a position that they've never been in that's less likely to occur i i, I just think i think in general it's probably better if you're similar i agree and that's kind of what i like about can't xander is that I think they know each other's games very well. They're going to put each other in, in comfortable spots. And and I, I think they have a very similar, similar style of game. So I'll ride with them and we shall see. Final thing to do here, Andy, the one and done. I have chipped away. I have uh, closed the gap by about $800,000 last week. We have decided that we have to burn both golfers here. You have already teased your pick for this week. Who is it? Okay, I'm going with Horschel Burns, which I know might sound a little bit aggressive, especially looking at who you chose, which was a more obvious, I'm not going to use these guys anywhere else selection. Mm -hmm. The way I see it with Horschel and Burns is, I always feel like at the end of the one and done season, I was like, man, I really didn't use this guy, right? Like you always leave, I feel like you always leave some more good players on the table. 
than you expect, especially because there's always a couple guys that emerge later in the season and level up. And I just think with Burns, like we've passed the Florida swing. I've he's already we he's already played. I think what are the best courses for him, right? If you're not going to use if you already used him at the Valspar, you're not going to. What are you going to you're going to use Sam Burns? I guess at like Wells Fargo, right? There's so many. You know, I just think and same with Billy. It's like we passed the Florida swing, and I didn't burn either of those guys. And I think they're going to win this week. I think if it, I think it's between I think if you ask me for two picks to win, it's it's going to be either Cantlay and and Shoffley or Horschel and Burns. So I think since I already missed them on the Florida swing, just use them, just burn them, and 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 I see you catching up, and you're right on my tail. So I'm going to go with Horschel and Burns, and I feel I feel very good about it. I feel very good for you as well. I admittedly, so I went with Seamus Power, Graham McDowell, but that was kind of a, a byproduct of, I had already used Billy Horschel, believe it or not. I used him at Honda, which I have zero recollection of doing, but apparently I did that. Um, yeah. I have already used both Cantlay and Xander, so I could not have used those. I've already used Cam Smith, which I would have loved to have run him and Leishman back out there. You already used Leishman as well. Um, I had already used Taylor Gooch, so I couldn't play him and mm. Homa. I've already used Victor, so I couldn't play him in Morikawa. So it, it was kind of a byproduct of I had used everybody. I could, I guess maybe I should have just rolled out Palmer and Scotty. Like, where am I going to play Scotty? I've missed out on four wins. Where am I going to play Scotty? Well, have you heard that Southern Hills is his favorite course? I, I guess I, I, have to play him. I have to play him there, and he's and I expect him to win the first two legs of the Grand Slam. Where did you? Where did you use Gooch? American Express. Ah, uh, because I was going to say, I thought you were going to go either Team Chile or Gooch Homa were the other two teams I almost went with. Yeah, I couldn't use Gooch. I do like, so So Power uh, has two straight top 10s as a part, part of a team. McDowell has three straight top 25s. I think that McDowell never gets you in trouble off the tee. I think he's a good team experience kind of guy. I think it'll be a solid pairing. I don't know if they can actually win it, but it, it, it was kind of a, a product of me already using a lot of the other guys that I liked. Yeah. And McDowell playing a little bit better lately. Uh, yeah. And Power's still playing great too. Power like debuted at the Masters and finished top 30. The problem is I, I guess I could have used Scotty and Palmer, but the situation with that is I can only get 1.2 million. I'm burning Scotty and another person. You know what I mean? Not that I'll use Palmer anywhere else, but it is kind of hard to burning both of them for a smaller purse is a is a fun little thing. I I agree with the idea of saving Scotty. I I don't <laughs> I don't think he's done yet. Uh, and Palmer's like yeah, Palmer's like whatever. Yeah, maybe you use him at Colonial if that field's terrible. But I, I just. I understand where you're going with this. I think you could kind of play it, play it both sides and I don't really have a problem with that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, we're going to get out of here. I got to run. Uh, Andy lack available on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can find me at Rick run. Good. We will be back for a Friday scramble, which will be fun being the, uh, the heat of the battle at the Zurich. So that's the next time we will see a big shout out to producer Mina doing all the hard work behind the scenes. See you on Friday.